We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Welcome to the Eight Black Hands Podcast. Uh, fellas, how are we doing today? Cole, we'll start with you because you're somewhere in uh, uh, Illinois in a Popeyes. <laughs> Not in the Popeyes. Popeyes for sure don't have Wi-Fi. I'm at a Dunkin' Donuts and they've been so gracious to let me set up a full mini studio. So, uh, Who's that I'm in doing the back? Well. I'm doing well. Go on to the next person, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how we doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Just got back from New York. So I'm I'm fresh from New York right now. So I might have a little New York attitude today. New, so, York, New York. What does that mean, bro? New York I'm attitude. I'm going to be rude and nasty and I'm going to have garbage on my streets. <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, the, the only thing that you're not used to is having garbage on your streets because everything else fits the <laughs> <laughs> El Mecky. Hey, good to see everybody. Glad to glad to be on. All right. So, Chris, this is a very important topic for us, man. So you you we're gonna segue to you, man. Talk about it. What are we talking about today? So, you know, we've done shows in the past about the NAACP in California and the fight in California around charter schools. One of the more recent uh emerging stories out of all of that that we talked about in the past is the way that the NAACP internally turned on three of its its chapters that put out, um, the three chapters in Southern California put out a resolution to the NAACP that basically asked them to focus on black children, especially focus on black California children who are one of the lowest subgroups of all subgroups besides special ed in the state of California. And in some places like uh, San Francisco, which we've talked about before, there's just no reason for it because, you know, like wealthy places, lots of like progressive stuff going on and whatnot. And uh, the black students there are doing very poorly. So these three branches, you know, have been called like the breakaway branches. They all submitted a resolution to the state NAACP asking for them to reconsider their, their charter moratorium and to refocus themselves on black student achievement. So let me jump fast to the story, because one of the people in the middle of all of this um, is Christina Laster, who's with us today. And Christina was somebody that they focused on quickly. She, she was the education chair of one of their branches in Southern California. And I started talking to her right when all of this was blowing up. And the level of harassment and intimidation that, <laughs> that the NAACP bosses were putting on her, they quickly decided to make her the target and to smear her immediately. Um, she got so many text messages and messages in general from, from them in the first 48 hours of the story breaking that the three branches put up, had broken away, that it would constitute harassment if, it was a, if she was employed somewhere. If it happened in, in, at an employer, it, in my mind, it would constitute harassment. So I don't want to tell her a full story because she's here. Um, Christina, Welcome to the show. Um, we're going we're gonna to do right by your story here. So, so welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to hearing it um, directly from you. Definitely uh, read about some of it. So, Christina, what happened? So, you know, I had been uh, supporting parents in the community as education chair uh, for the NAACP. I also uh, would go into schools and visit schools. And then, you know, uh, my, and in that support um, and as a previous educator, I realized that we hadn't gotten very, very far, you know, um, that there was a lot of issues with the way that our students were uh, being treated or what I would call mistreated, okay? And so after dealing with so many, you know, discrimination uh, reports, um, founded ones, um, I decided to, you know, support parents in their right to choose a quality education for their child. Like, I would never advise that a parent leave their child in a failing system and a system that doesn't only fail them educationally, but also uh, is harsh in its punishment and consequences to the children, right? And so a lot of people um, had 
kept saying to me, well, Christina, the NAACP uh, has told us that we're not supposed to go to charter schools, that it's bad to go to charter schools, but you are the education chair and you're saying that you support school choice. And I said, absolutely. I support your choices, right? So the more I started looking into uh, the NAACP's uh, task force and uh, moratorium on charter schools, I realized that it never once stated any of the facts about what was happening with the Black students. Uh, it, It mentioned minorities once, But who are you referring to? And as a matter of fact, uh, it did not bring out the data for what was happening here in California with the black students. So I approached my president and I said, you know, uh, when resolution time comes, if I write a resolution supported by data of what's going on, particularly with the black students in California, can we submit it? He said, yeah, we can. He told me to process. So I followed the processes. And that's what I did. Now, I didn't know I was committing a crime. (laughs) You try, listen, listen, for the listeners of this podcast, we know two things are Negro proverbs. One of them comes from a brother, Charles Cole, which is black parents, you're on your own. That's one of the Negro proverbs. And And the second one is it is a crime to educate a black child in the United States of America. It always has been. Right, that is a crime. They will catch you. Wow. Right? El, El Meke, am I lying? No, that's, mm-hmm. that's fact. That is fact. <laughs> Always has been. But this is what I want to skip to. And the Negroes sound like we'll try to come after you if you do try to educate them, you know? That's true. Well, see, that's now true. I know that, right? So, you know, lesson kind of learned, but I'm not going to stop fighting for the black kid. No, so, so this is what I want listeners to know, too, about the story that you're telling right now is you went through the proper channels. These branches weren't really breakaway branches. They formed um, they formed these these resolutions, their branch presidents, the presidents of their branches. I'm sorry, forwarded these to the way that the, the appropriate channels, the district manager, or whatever you call them in the NAACP, signed off on them. And they, they, they got up to the top brass, to Alice Huffman and Julian uh, Helig Vasquez. So what happened once your president submitted those? What happened next? Okay, so Im- immediately within that uh, first 24, 48 hours, I started getting heavily questioned. Okay, where did the resolution come from? Are you working for charter schools? Are you working for CCSA? Who gave you this? Did somebody pay you? And I kept saying no, no, no. But the more that I said no, the more that they would continue to come back at me and um, ask me about my collaboration with San Bernardino, ask me about my collaboration with San Diego, telling me that I'm the only one connected to all the branches. And um, and, you know, they asked me to give them my contacts. Who was I talking to? Um, You know, it just kept escalating. I was thinking to myself, like, are you guys for real? Is this, you know, um, am I being punked? You know, and so um, like I kept telling them the same thing. And then finally I was just like, no, you're not going to get my contacts. And no, I'm not telling you anything else because I've already answered. So that's when they started saying, well, you're suspended. Well, then if I'm suspended, I need for you guys to put in writing from national and the state a letter saying as to why, what did I do to cause my suspension? This is supposed to be a nonprofit organization. I didn't. Yeah, and, and this is like something to highlight too, because in yeah, talk, having talked to you, well, it was very hard for you to figure out what the damn rules are in the NAACP. There's no like book, no one place you can go to figure out where the rules were. So I remember talking to you and having you say like, I don't even know what a rule book is. Like my president doesn't even right. know what it is, right? Like what rule did I break? <laughs> right. I, I was like, if I broke something according to the constitution or the bylaws of this organization, then you guys need to put that in writing to me. And the president approved your actions, you know, of creating this resolution. So who was who was the national or the state chapter was uh, trying to suspend you? The state. So basically, um, not only did my president approve it, but he had already talked to our area director, who's Ron Hassan, um, over California, over our region, and told them that we were going to be submitting the resolution. So I was really at a loss of words and confused about what it was that I did wrong. 
Wow. And the response of the state um, branch of the NAACP was, this is already a decided matter. We're not taking any more conversation about it. Right. So right, but no, we didn't far- get that in writing. I never had that in writing. And so that wasn't their only response. Like as the time went on and the more accusations came and the more uh, intimidations, I said, when I asked for the letter, they reinstated me and said, OK, well, you know, we're not you're not suspended but you're under investigation and your activities are suspended. Well, that's the same as me being suspended. Like, how, are you, how are you going to be under investigation and have roles taken from you in a volunteer organization? I don't know. I mean, I mean they're not paying you. But also approved I mean, by the Catholics excommunicate people all the time, man. That's what that's that's how the Catholic Church do. They excommunicate you. So you got excommunicated <laughs> from the NAACP. From what the an NAACP. honor. No, yo, so, 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 so wait, so wait, I'm not going to let, just let y'all just jump and, and just destroy this historically black uh, organization. <laughs> Not, not for profit. Look, uh, in the bylaws, are, in, are actually our uh, members, the, aren't you? In, in the yeah, bylaws that were revised in February 2000, uh, 2014 on page 79, it <laughs> states grounds for suspension or other disciplinary action. When an individual becomes a member of the NAACP, that individual pledges to abide by the rules and policies of the association and the decisions of the board of directors. So what? It's a democratic institution from everything that they say. So that means the conversation never ends. In the democracy, conversations never end. They continue. That's the thing is like, so, so, so it is supposed to be a grassroots democratic organization is supposed to be democratic and grassroots. But the bottom line is um, what they, their pushback on Christina was, we've already decided this. So, which means basically it's like settled law. So So, I'm like thinking the United States don't even work that way. Well, Chris, if we pass a bad, if we pass a bad law in the United States, we can always revisit it. Can I, can I continue? No, it says the board is direct. This is the black people <laughs> portion of this show. This ain't the Republican portion but, of the show. Know, because, but, but let me let me just interject because Please here, here was the problem. They said they already uh, took a position on the matter, but they didn't take quite the position on the matter that I was raising, which was what was happening in particular to the black student. Mm. So that's what I said. I said, well, you guys have one position, but this position is what is happening particularly to our black students in the state of California. There isn't a resolution that discusses that. See, there you go. Caring about black kids. That's, oh, uh, Lord. that's that, that automatically puts you in polar opposite of uh, Julian and, and the rest of those uh, clowns running the. Uh, so, Christina, I, had, I just had a question before we jumped into like deep conversation on it. So what it, from your perspective, what do things stand now and what's coming next? Well, the resolution um, has been rejected. I was told um, that I cannot formally speak on behalf of the NAACP. I'm not suspended, but the educational activities um, have been suspended at my branch, which that's what I'm over, you know. And so, um, you know, I mean, it's the same as suspending me, but I guess they wanted to look a little bit better. I'm not sure. I've continued to ask for things in writing like what, what did I do? You know, somebody tell me, what did I do? And so that's when the story evolved until, oh, you work for the Koch brothers. Well, wait a minute. If I did, I didn't know it because I should, you know. (laughs) You know, and at first I didn't even know who they were. I'm like, the Koch brothers, who is that and why? And then when I started to investigate who they were, I was like, tell me why they care about the NAACP again. And why would they need to send somebody into uh, Lake Elsinore San Diego and San Bernardino to infiltrate the NAACP that doesn't make sense. And we just want to say for the record, that is the position of the NAACP of California is that they've been hacked by the Koch brothers and that these branches are basically just infiltrated by by um, bad actors who've been in, who have infiltrated and, and did this. You know who infiltrated them a long time ago? The AFT. That's that's who they infiltrated. Wow. That's who they infiltrated. <laughs> you know, they had audacity to, you know, like accuse people of being bribed to support black children when they're the records are out there, but like how they've been bribed to ignore black children. 
um, consistently by the AFT is is just preposterous. So why are y'all always coming at these unions? Because the you know, I pulled I pulled my parents. You know, I pulled my parents, black parents, and not a single one of them could tell me anything that the NAACP was doing for black children. That's why. But yet they want to act like they speak for the masses. They don't. They don't speak for grassroots. Uh, they don't speak for the communities. If no, they, 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 they don't. They, they don't. Families they would don't. know what they did. Right. And so therein lies my confusion, because, you know, I can really truly say that it wasn't something that I have been involved in my whole life. But come, when when my son started having um, issues at school, I started looking for the name that we recognize. Right. OK, these people will help out, you know. And so in 2017, I brought the issue before them um, about my son, but seeing that they really didn't have a uh, the the ability to to handle the framework of the educational environment and I knew it I volunteer I started volunteering and so I'm sitting here thinking that oh okay we're really you know fighting for civil rights but then I quickly learned that oh this is up into a point yeah you could fight up into a point period yeah and you know a lot of stuff came up when I was talking to people out there um, doing interviews. Some things I didn't know was like a lot of the branches, the NAACP, their main line of funding actually comes from school districts. So school districts are actually funding NAACPs. And what one activist told me is that paralyzes them because now they can't like the activist who's somebody who goes to the district and gets in their grill about special education and about black dropout rates. And he was basically saying, I can't do this through the NAACP because they're already bought off by the school district. Right. So the actual educational institution, like, like the way that these branches are funded is, is precarious. It's fragile. And I should say, I'm saying all this, I just want to be real. Uh, I am a member, a longtime member, a longer term member than Julian Healy Vasquez or, or, or the person who wrote the charter moratorium, who her and Julian both joined the NAACP within months of each other and immediately got this resolution put through. So if anybody had the NAACP, and they're both, they're both connected to the Network for Public Education, Diane Ravitch's group. Julian's a board member. So if anybody infiltrated the California NAACP and got a resolution put on the board and got passed through, it's those two. See, right? this is why folks like Ida B. Wells and W.B. Du Bois, that's why they left them jokers a long time ago. It's the same stuff, man. Well, that and they died. Oh I hear that uh, you know, I hear that Ida B. Wells is doing great things these days. <laughs> <laughs> but Julian is is no longer uh the education chair for California because you know it was announced through an article that he has moved on as uh the head of the education department over at in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah he, he cashed out. He, 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 he cashed out. Carpet bag. Carpetbagger, <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna let y'all do this to him. I'm not gonna let y'all do this to this man where he can't be here to defend himself. He couldn't oh, he defend himself if he was here. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> he could defend himself if he ate like five, five stamina pills. He couldn't. He couldn't defend himself. This ain't gonna work. We Julian, Ju- Julian, if you're listening or anybody that's close to him is listening, this is your invite to the show. I wrote you an open letter. You never got back to me. You're a sucker for that because you said you was going to get back to me. How, you never how, did. How, do you, how do you how do you invite somebody and in the same breath then call him a sucker and then be mad when they don't? Rip? You was doing so well. You was like you was right there. So I mean, can't help himself, Cole. I see, you, man. It's all good. So I mean, you know, I'm also a member of the NAACP and and, and the Oakland branch and in Oakland isn't really on board with that moratorium either, right? Like, we've done a lot of work. Um, you know, we we looking out for black kids, whether they're in the district or whether they are in charter schools or whatever the case is. Like, that's what it's supposed to be about, right? And I think that what, what people are trying to do is they'll try to pigeonhole us and make this a thing about charter schools or this, that, and the third, right? And what it's really about is what's the state of education for black kids, right? And the NAACP right. is supposed to be ready and willing whether those kids go to charter schools, traditional schools, private schools, or even at home schools. 
right? So, I mean, right. there's so many different ways that we're supposed to be showing up. So we should, instead of doing all this foolishness, we should be putting out reports in each of these cities around how black kids are learning, how, what the deficiencies are, and how we can step in. If anything, and this is what I've said this at our chapter, I say this all the time, and I'm about to put this in an article as well. If anything, when a law like charter law actually exists, NAACP should be the first. They should be the first in line to utilize those laws and find black educators and be building their own schools. There should be a right. bunch of NAACP schools all mm. around this country if we really want to talk about it. So, I mean, who's that's how we really schools? get to step out. They can't, who's they going, can't who is that? Who is said, going to those schools? What I would, so, no, 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 I'm about no, to no, answer no. the question. You can't Bring ask. Back. You ask Where's the question, I'm about to answer Who is going to those? Yeah, so, please. So, I said, you don't be listening. You got a listening problem. What I said, what I said was, what the NAACP NAACP should be doing is the utilizing CP those laws. Is utilizing those laws. They should be going through their Rolodex of who are our best potential educators. Who are the black folks that's really moving and shaking around this country and find them in each of those locations and they should be building their own schools. Like we you should, know we, we should have our own they schools. They don't give a shit. I can answer the question about who's going to those schools because I had uh, went to Hardy Brown College Prep, which is a public charter school over in San Bernardino. Now, uh, they have 89% of their students are Black. And they're they're exceeding mastery on everything. Like, I looked at all their data, and I'm sitting here thinking that it couldn't be done, but it's being done. It's being done. I've seen it with my own eyes. And so I was thinking, why are we fighting this? Why are we trying to get this shut down? I can't uh, even fathom why, because it's working. It, it, it's working. So I agree with what Charles said. But I think that the issue is, is that usually the branches are hindered from communicating with each other because I've been told that I'm, I'm colluding with other brands. What do you mean I'm colluding? What does that mean? Plot and plan for our people, sis. Plot and plan for our people. You gotta be right. careful. You gotta be careful with agreeing with Charles Cole on this show. Okay. <laughs> Christina, don't listen to him. Let, 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 okay. Don't don't listen to him. So, he about to so, do a whole bunch of insignificant yelling and not make no kind of sense. He's gonna ask you questions <laughs> and then he's gonna interrupt right. you as you start to answer. Just just let don't let your your ears will tell you the truth. Don't worry about it. Thank, thank right. you. And thank you, Ms. Laster. You've been amazing in this episode so far. <laughs> okay, so what I'm saying is if that if within California, if the branches were communicating with each other, we would be able to have a, a better uh ability to combat things at the legislative level and at the Capitol, right? Because everybody would be paying attention. Everybody would be saying the same thing because all the student data in the state is the same. It doesn't matter where you go. 80% of the kids cannot do math at grade level, the black kids. 68% can't read or write at grade level. As a matter of fact, in Oakland, 75% of the uh, black male can't read or write at grade level. That's yeah, horrible. Yeah, it's even slightly. I mean, it's slightly. It's slightly. It's slightly worse than that. And so, I mean, that's again. That's where I'm at. I worked in that district. Uh, I do a lot of work out there, and I put out a report, not the NAACP, not the school district, but I put out an A through right. G report with my students around because they 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 the district published these like kind of bloated uh, black student graduation rates, but what they didn't put out was our A through G completion rates. So you got schools that saying we graduating 85 percent of black kids when only when less than 25 or 30 percent of that actual school, uh, those those same kids actually pass A through G, which means that they can even apply to a state college, right? So, like, the NAACP should be the folks right. putting out those type of reports. But they're not. Exactly. They're not doing their job. And, and listen, these three branches in California did everybody a favor by putting out a resolution that focused. If you go and read it, the majority of all the focus is black students, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, put that side by side with the one that the national NAACP passed, right? Don't say nothing about black children. There is no black agenda at the NAACP. There is no black education agenda. Maybe it's right? still a colored agenda. I mean, yeah, wow. That's true. Like, oh, I mean, like old school colored. You know, they, <laughs> they should change their name. National Association of you know, formerly Negro people or something. I don't know, but, 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 the, but, but this is like, this is like California is the epicenter of so much that can happen all across the country. There, there are more chapters there. There, there uh, there's more money out in California. I thought there was more black power until all this started coming up. I started realizing that the power has shifted in California. Black people don't have power 
in California like they used to have, right? No. It has kind of shifted. And even with this story that has went down with the NAACP, it wasn't black people who wrote that, that moratorium. It wasn't black people who got it passed through their state, um, um, got it passed through their state uh, chapter, their, their ed committee. And get this, like when all this hit the fan, all this was in a, a you know, a newspaper, or whatever. The first people to get in touch with Julian were white progressive organizations that like emailed him basically saying, yo, what's up with all this? I saw the email. He forwarded the email on, you know, groups like in the public interest and these others like, hey, you know, we thought we thought you had these Negroes under control. Oh, and, and it, you know, and then him and, and her. Well, listen, he didn't actually say that. Just, I just want to say just this. <laughs> that's, that's my interpretation. It's like interpretive I dance or something. No, like I know we got it. We got it. All right. Yeah. I just want to be clear. Cause I'm like coming back. To, well, I, I didn't write that. No, you didn't. But that's what but it that's said. basically what it said. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what it said. And basically right after that, him and Alice like went, went ham. On, on just a handful of people. Christina's at the center of this. You at the center of this, Christina. But yeah. there were so many other people involved. That's the part that keeps but, killing but me, e- is that like, there's e- so many other people involved. But even as we because, throw back to Christina, because, oh, go ahead, Christina, I didn't want to interrupt you, go because, ahead. Because uh, they cannot um, get over this whole obsession over the Koch brothers, right? So if you're that obsessed with the Koch brothers, then why don't you go look for them? Because I don't know where they are. And until we can stop talking about that, we can't really even come to the table and talk about the data and the facts that are inside of the resolution. And the part that they're leaving out is why they're trying to make it seem like I'm just only for one kind of educational environment. Nobody's telling the story about how I go into the district schools every week to meet with the black student unions and support them. Nobody's telling that story. And so it's interesting how they try to peg me as, oh, you know, she's with these right wing thinkers and the Koch brothers. And that's why she's talking about school choice and charter school, charter school. Well, you're so obsessed that you missed the other work that I do mm-hmm. every week. I mean, so the point that I, and so I, the, the thing that's, I think, most disheartening, right, is the way in which I'm watching them kind of come for you. Right. So it's these articles after articles about the Koch brothers, this and this and the third. It's just for the folks. And I've said this before. Right. If we go to the top of any of this stuff, whether it's ed reform, anti reform or whatever the case is, or we go to the top of your favorite ice cream that you like to eat, it's going to connect to some white billionaire at some point. Like, let's just right. let's just, <laughs> like now if we're going to talk about which millionaire is better or billionaire is better then that's a different conversation right but if we having these conversations in lieu of our kids struggling in lieu of our and we can't even come together enough as black people and 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 disagree amongst each other and actually figure some stuff out in service of our black folks without us kind of running and kind of doing this parroting game for white people man and this is the part that i think is a problem and the question that i have for you christina is like who came and talked to you in person because listen it's one thing to get excommunicated excommunicated from the from the from the Catholic church if you're Catholic because that's like you know if you believe that like that's the you know your soul for eternity but at the NAACP where you ain't paying me no way and like <laughs> and, and we still like using like photo we we still doing like photocopies in the library to like do our flyers and stuff like you you ain't carrying the same weight with your threat bro I'm sorry right so who came and actually said something to you face to face and sat down and like really thoughtfully had a conversation with you Nobody. Okay. So the only person that um, actually responded, and this was via Twitter, was Julian Velasquez Hill. Okay. And um, he's the only person that started asking me questions about my thought process behind the resolution. Right. And um, I reiterated to him that this is about the Black student data. This is about what is going on with the Black students in California, in the educational environment, that this is what it's about, okay? And so he's the only one that had that conversation with me. Now, at the national convention um, in Detroit that I went to, uh, I was in the education setting where they had a workshop. Roxana Marachi, the person that wrote the original resolution for the moratorium on charter schools was in there too, okay? She started discussing the resolution I had a face-to-face conversation with her. The conversation went something like this. Do you have black children? Because she's not black. 
She said no. Wait, wait, wait. What, what is she? Wait, what, what is she? Let's, uh, yeah, for the people that's listening, they don't know this lady. Who, who is she and what is she? Let's, let's do it. You know, I can't even, uh, you know, try to say exactly what her nationality is. But one thing I do know is that she's not black. We could say that, or you know. And so I asked her, did she have black children? She says, oh, no, I don't. Okay, so then you wouldn't know what it's like to be a black mother and, and have to experience the things that black mothers do when they see their children enter into the school system. Well, no, unfortunately, I can't understand that. I said, so then basically what you're saying is that it's okay for us to accept token integration and gradualism? Well, I understand that things are, you know, gradually changing, but, you know, we just got to continue. No, we don't got to continue today. I'm going to stand up for the black children and say enough. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what your agenda is, but this is my movement at the grassroots level and enough is enough. And I don't want y'all to miss this part. So this, uh, <laughs> this, Marachi, this Marachi person is the one who wrote the, who wrote the resolution, right? She works with Diane Ravitch's group. She was mm-hmm. keynote or something with them. And Julian is on the board. She and Julian joined the NAACP in California right around the same time and immediately got to work on this moratorium and got it through. That is not grassroots. That's not democratic. It didn't come from black people. It didn't come from the black grassroots. It didn't come from branches. They didn't host like a statewide convention on black education and bring in all the black educators and all the scholars and all that type of stuff. No, two people were able to join the NAACP and put through what eventually became the national moratorium on charter schools. And those two people are connected to Diane Ravitch's group. And they're projecting on these folks that they're coke brothers, uh, uh, infiltrators. And I just want to say this, because I know, Ray, I can see you want to say something. I'm just going to say this. If the Koch brothers want another brother, I am going to be the third or fourth or fifth. I don't know how many of them are right now, but I will be a Coke brother in a few minutes. I just want to put that out there. Y'all can say whatever you want. Uh, you can be the six black hands once I, I become. A, I, thought you was like a, I thought you was a Walton cousin or something. You know, listen, if they if they want a cousin too, I mean, listen, listen, <laughs> listen, y'all, y'all, y'all just don't know. I love y'all like brothers, but goddamn it, you know, if the Coke brothers need another brother, it's on. So, <laughs> so well, it's gonna you happen. Wait for that because I ain't received no check in the mail yet. But when you get yours, let me know. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm gonna have to figure out the process because I get accused of it enough. So I might as well just figure out the process. Right. So, what are you gonna say, Ray? So. There's a lot of history in the NAACP. But for the past 113 years, the organization was founded in 1906 and it wasn't founded by black people. And it's never really did right by black folks, in my opinion. Right. Um, So, like, why do we expect for it to do right by them now? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, let me say this. I'm going to say that. I disagree real with quick. that, though. You know, but, let me yeah. just say this. Of course you're going to disagree, Charles. First of all, just because like, it ain't true. The NAACP we know right now today, I think people who are ignorant about the NAACP think about Brown versus Board and they're stuck in that moment. They don't realize that all through the 90, they had, 90s, they had financial problems and were corrupt and almost went bankrupt multiple times and had multiple presidents that did multiple things that all showed up in the news. People don't that people are ignorant to the actual more recent history of the NAACP. And they're really ignorant to the fact that it wasn't the NAACP that did Brown. It was the legal in NAACP's legal defense fund, which is That's a, a whole separate and it's an entirely separate entity. The NAACP, who people think that, that we're all members of, mm-hmm. is actually a totally different entity. Mm-hmm. Completely different. Yeah. Well, you know, I could say for a fact that there are some great people, um, you know, that really have a heart for the grassroots uh, civil rights movement um, that are like myself in the organization, really trying to battle the discrimination and discriminatory practices that, you know, we experience as black people. But then there's the others. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and I just want to say, like, you know, when you talk about like the history, I so I've been reading this book uh, called Up South, and it talks about Philadelphia's role in the civil rights movement. You will not believe you know, the organization that in Philadelphia it was the NAACP that every chance they got, they tried to slow progress down because they had already had some kind of agreement or some kind of shady deal. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I need to like share some, some of this information that's in this is meticulously uh, researched, but NAACP was not pushing forward, you know, the work. Um, and it, we're, we're back to this. Like what, when you, when you say you're a civil rights organization, what is a more important civil right than the intellectual development of black children? And if that isn't, if that's not the banner, if that's not the bloodstained banner that you're carrying, then you're not a civil rights organization. Call yourself something else. I mean, so I, I agree with that. And I mean, just to address that piece around, like, I, and I get what you're saying around, like, the corruption, this, and the third. But let's look at the sensibilities of the people that joined the NAACP yesteryear and today, right? Myself, Chris, Christina, whoever else on this call is uh, on this podcast episode that's an NAACP member, right? Not like, we, we joined, so Ray is one as well, right? So we joined for a specific reason, right? We joined because of the sensibilities yeah. that we have for black people. So, like, we joined to be a force for black folks and I, I tell you this all the time like we are not education pedestrians like we are not education civilians like the, a lot of people are education civilians meaning that they're not behind the curtain they're not they're not working in districts or leading schools whether they be private charter traditional or whatever right so a lot of people man they just go by if you're a democrat it's like okay I, I care about this one thing but what's the what's the line on the rest of this stuff right and what's happening is that the narrative has been okay we trying to protect uh, unions unions are under attack Unions are historically a civil rights issue for black people. Thus, if charters are doing this to unions or whatever, it's bad, right? And I think there's a lot of people that might have signed on to this thing that don't know, like, all these intricate details until you break it down. So this is why I still stand with my Oakland NAACP because they let me come in and with a big group and a whole bunch of people really go through this A through G data. And there was no charter bash, and it was actually questions like, what's going on? Why don't we have more black kids in some of these schools that serving black kids the best? And they didn't give a damn if it was a charter or a traditional school. So I just want to be yeah. really careful when we attack an entire entity, right, of a lot of people that joined it for very, like, novel and civil, and, and civil reasons. Right. Because, again, NAACP, like it's a lot of volunteer organizations. NAACP might be the one where you feel the voluntary the most. Right. Like I remember emailing them about something and they got back to me like three weeks later and they reminded me we are a volunteer organization. Like, right. <laughs> like does that mean I can't get my damn email back? This was time sensitive. Right. So I just wanted to say, like, I hear you. And I don't think I'm not saying that any of that stuff is wrong around the corruption stuff and that. But so many, that's that's such a small group of people that's up in that level. The majority of folks joined it because they care about black people. They don't even a lot of people don't even know that white people have anything to do with the NAACP in its inception or today. Right. And I think it's up and, you know, I think it's really, truly up to us in this generation and the upcoming generations to make sure that the what we do within the organization is actually the right thing. You know, um, if, if that's what we want to use as a vehicle for civil rights movement moving forward. However, I am aware also of what Malcolm X said, you know, and, and I've seen him say this several times. If I come to the NAACP is what he said. And and they tell me that there's civil rights on the books, but there's no productivity from those civil rights. And, and I can't benefit from them either. They've been duped or they're trying to dupe me. OK. Mm. And so, you know, I'm really aware of that. And I'm like, well, we have a lot of work to do. I'm not about to lie to anybody. There's a lot of work to be done. And I'm here to try to help do the work. But why do I have to have these internal battles for doing what's right? That's not OK. We should all be able to be in one organization having varying opinions. It's okay to have a, a, a different opinion, but that don't mean you got to come out and personally attack me. No. And I think what your story illustrates is the disconnect between the bosses and the grassroots mm -hmm. of the NAACP. What Charles just said is true. Like I'm in a, a branch and things look way different, but if you bring up the national or you bring up the bosses in my branch, you get frustration. Like you get to a frustration con conversation quickly, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and the national, the bosses are connected to the corporate interests and, and the, the national unions and all that stuff. The grassroots are trying to solve local problems. They're like trying to solve the person who just got shot, the problem of the person who just got shot or, or you know, like ours has like a, a toy drive during during the uh, Christmas season. That's the biggest in our entire county. Right. Like they're actually trying to do hands on type stuff. But I, I do want to read this one quote because Sharif mentioned something about he's studying the Philadelphia NAACP. 
And I just want to read this quote because I think this quote like shocks me. The moment that you said this, Sharif, I thought of this quote. So I looked it up. Yeah. So um, in the 1920s and 30s, there was an inscription of the goals of the NAACP in Philadelphia. And basically it was to stop the the, the Negro from being um, lynched or, or uh, victim of mob violence, right? Um, mentally free from disenfranchisement, economically free from dis- discrimination on the jobs. It's all the stuff you would normally think, right? But there was a last one that was there too. It was to make the Negro middle class socially free from the disrepute of the black masses. That was literally in their goals. (laughs) That was literally in their goals. Oh, Chris, you you know what that sounds like, Chris? (laughs) I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. This is one of the goals. I feel like I got to pull up the Chris Rock clip. Go ahead, because that's what it is in writing, the Chris Rock clip. To make the, the... Negro middle class, socially free from the disrepute, this disrepute, I'm sorry, of the black masses. Yeah, I mean, that's very consistent with what, um, you know, what's in this book up south. Like if if you don't have it, you know, you should definitely um, get it. It's talking about the civil rights and how Philadelphia was a was a pivotal place where some of these battles were happening. But the uh, the elitist in the NAACP, they were not for the grassroots. So for them to continue to position, and I get it, the you know local and the national, look, our, we have a city chapter, we got a state chapter, it's a national chapter. Sometimes none of them agreeing with, with anything that, that's happening. Uh, you know, I, and I told y'all before, you know, our, our local chapter, he tried to have a anti-shoemaker rally. Like our, our charter was up for renewal. Our kids go there, you know, to the, school board to get in and, and you know speak their piece about their about their school and this brother is out there with a bullhorn with all these white folks he was he was like the one dot with all these white folks talking about you know and our, and our kids just they were like oh y'all rallying we know how to rally <laughs> you know so they, they shut it down That's and dope. he was out there with randy when i came for the philly teacher strike mm-hmm. uh, he was out there with randy he was in a bullhorn, uh, on a bullhorn with Randy, standing out. That's just leading the, leading the crowd. It's just yeah, crazy, so our man. kids invited him to our school, so he got to give him that. He did end up coming. I'm like, you have a lot to say before you visited schools, and which one, which school would you put your child in? Like at the end of the day, like whether it's Roxanne or well, you already said she's not black, um, Julian. Like where would they put their? He's kids? not black either. Yeah, I know. Uh, I want to. I want to say they, that Julian identifies as Latino he, first. Yeah, he identifies as black for black first. people. They I, say they. they I, I've speak heard. Of, for I've, black heard people. I've heard. I've heard say he was which, black though. So uh, which of the neighborhoods? Wait, Charles. 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 Clarify. No, I've heard. I've heard him. I've, I mean, and, and listen. In the NAACP, it don't stand for black people. Let's just be. Let's. It's, it is the national. It wasn't founded Association of Advancement that. for Colored People. So I mean, I know what colored people meant at the time. I, I you know, NAACP. Listen, NAACP need members, baby. So you could be blue and join. So, I mean, so let's just, but I, I think just to, to like really push on this, right? And, and again, our local chapter, like a lot of the kids that's super involved in our Imani project, right, in NAACP, in Oakland, a lot of them go to charter schools. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like they show up and they be like, what, what, what is this thing? Like, what you talking about? If you want me to sing and dance and, 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 and drum up some money to fly to Detroit, <laughs> I need to understand how you feel about me, right? Like, we got some young people that actually really speak up. And I, like I said, I got to give kudos to our education committee because, like, they really stood in and was like, nah, I don't care about none of that stuff. We care about these numbers. And they'll come out of charter. If a charter is someone doing something against black kids or something like that, they'll step up and they'll speak. And they'll speak when black right. kids in the district not getting what they're supposed to get. And that's what they're supposed to do. Now, the issue is, is that people are just not as afraid of the NAACP as they once were. So I think that that's like we, we need another group of folks that have that kind of power. It used to be in the NAACP and it used to be in our black churches. But in the Bay, we're losing so many black people that we're losing a large black power nucleus. Uh, but Ms. Laster, I have a question for you. So, like, what's next for you? Like, how, how do you want to keep lifting your voice or what support? do you need? I mean, you know, you can always start doing your own podcast and interviewing some and of these so, people. You know, basically that's what I decided that, you know, meanwhile, while um, all of my activities are suspended and I'm supposedly under this investigation that nobody's been able to prove any evidence on, uh, I went ahead and started to, um, you know, create my own uh 
501c3 called Let My People Go. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to around with that because uh, 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 you know I have a master's in business there's no way that I, you guys go fire me and I'm a volunteer you know so and I also you know I am the community organizer um, for parent union you know so I, I'm constantly still involved heavily in the educational environment and making sure people know what options and choices they have and how to make informed decisions about that so regardless of what the NAACP says uh, they didn't make me, so they're not going to be able to break me. So I'm going to continue to do what I do and fight for our children. Well, we have an amazing, uh, I think you'd be great having your own podcast, which would be uh, produced. You'd have help. Uh, but the A Black Hands family does have a family of podcasts. Shout out to the EPW uh, Latino podcast. It's actually really good. And just sending them some love. Y'all, the they did a- The Purist. Yeah, the Edu uh, well, is, is, is he a part of this? Because he, he, he don't like to follow rules. So, you know, I told Ray- <laughs> He can be. I don't need, but but um. Okay, don't tell him. To, don't tell the family <laughs> business because we want we want Christina to like yeah. to join. Here's yeah. what I want to say too, though. I actually think oh. the eight black hands should say right now on this particular podcast. NAACP, you got to cease your investigation of this sister, and you need to investigate them crappy ass schools of California that are diminishing the black mind and sending our black children to Mm -hmm. certain doom in one of the biggest economies in the world. You need to actually reroute your your investigative resources (laughs) and leave the sister alone. There's something else you need to investigate. Right. So that's what I've been saying. Like, why are you guys spending so much time, energy, and effort into attacking me or whatever you call it, okay? Why don't we sit and talk about the data? So you notice when I come out with my articles, I'll be like, well, that's neither here nor there. Now let's talk about the Black students. What's happening with the Black students? Because I don't need that smokescreen to take away and distract from what's actually happening with our children. Let's talk about the school to prison pipeline. How about that? I feel another podcast hey, coming. So, so I, I am I am so impressed by how polished you are. Like what? Like is she articulate? Yeah, is she articulate? not you expect that from the Republican? That's from the Republican right there. That's Republican Ray. She speaks so well. He's like the he's like the Joe Biden of the podcast right now. <laughs> Joe Biden is low key a Republican. She, oh my God, stop it! Uh, do you have a real point to make, Ray? Republican Ray? I mean, you you oh, he's doing, my point. He's doing that. He's doing the Trump thing. Republican Ray. <laughs> <laughs> he just called the woman articulate, man, in the middle of her cooking, I, man. So, he interrupted so, 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 her to tell her that. First and foremost, I, I never said articulate. I said she's polished. Like meaning that she is she is very well put together. Why and, would and she I, be though? Like no, no, no. I, so there's no reason to say why wouldn't she be. All mean. I'm saying <laughs> that if I had somebody like that in a room and and they were giving me I don't like where this is going. No, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> if I had somebody like that in the room and they were giving me their stance as to like why black children deserve, black families deserve choice, if I'm a helic or if I'm someone that's in that position, I'm listening to the sister because of the way that she's the way that she's putting her arguments together because her arguments are not based off of anything personal. Her arguments are based off the data. So by her telling us, by her telling us, hey, I don't really care about how you feel about me personally. I don't, you know, you may not like how I look. You may not like, but but when I present this data, you don't like how this data looks. And so that's, that's, that's my point. So what he's saying, um, Christina, I just he appreciated said what I said. your, I said he appreciated what I said. your I argument. So please strike <laughs> what he said earlier. I appreciate that because, you know, that's one thing that I am constantly aware of, whether I'm meeting with senators or whoever, you know, the um, that there is no denying the data. They try to backpedal off of it. They try to create a distraction or a smoke screen around it, but there's no denying the data. And when you couple the uh, the instructional data, meaning the uh, math and the English language arts scores with the exclusionary punitive punishment practices, excessive ones at that, there's no backpedaling off of that. Nobody can deny what is in writing on the California dashboard, California Department of Education, and in the CAS scores. So what they're trying to do is uh, make a distraction off of what's factual. And I so don't allow that. Clarify, clarifying question. So when you talk about punitive measures in terms of discipline, 
you're talking about this happening in public schools because I, I there's some pundits that would disagree that this ever happens in public schools. So you want to expand on that? Okay, so um, the in the public district schools um, framework, our children instead of receiving positive behavior supports, they receive punitive, harsh, excessive punishments. So. Uh, in, in comparison to their counterparts, meaning that they will be suspended more likely than, uh, you know, three times or five times more than their counterparts and for something lesser. OK, so I have seen where there are white students that do enact and they get talked to and then the black student does this particular thing and they get suspended for five days. OK, and so. What happened here in, in Riverside County, I'll give you an example. They tried to say, uh, oh, you know, the districts tried to say, we reduced the number of African-American suspensions, right? But you double the African-American female expulsions. So how are we gaining? So if no one's watching that phenomenon and you're, you're not recognizing what's going on in the shift in the data, and you're not making a, a comparison between the counterparts. You got to disaggregate the black student data from the counterparts, but you got to look at all of them for the measurement tool. Then you wouldn't know that these things are happening. Now, if say, for instance, my son, he was punished for bouncing uh, the ball at the handball court, the bell rung. He literally bounced the ball for seconds after the bell rung. They took away his recess for three weeks. Ooh. How do you do that to a seven-year-old? Ooh, damn. damn but again, like Shawshank out there in California. Right. Goddamn. It's a black <laughs> male child. That's what they do. Listen, this is, to me, um, it's real obvious that the conversation that is happening right now and the things that you are raising and even what Charles has raised um, about using the laws for the benefit of black children. This is what's so disappointing about the NAACP. You would think that this is this would be their focus. Right. You, you would think that they wouldn't have any time to be like, like what it's in your resolution. What is it? One out of seven black kids are in charter schools in California, but the, 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 the rest are all in district schools or whatever. Yeah. So you, you would think that the NAACP of California would have a lot of focus on the numbers, the, you know, what's going on with them or whatever, with the seven out of eight or the six out of seven black kids that are in district schools. It's a little suspicious that all they care about really are charter schools um, being right. cut down. So 50,000, there's only 50,000 of our black students that attend uh, charter schools in California. So they shouldn't really be the focus. And even those 50,000 aren't going to solve the district's uh, fiscal insolvency issues. Okay, let's just get that straight. They, they're always going to be bankrupt. That's like trying to solve the social security problem, right? And so our, it's not up hmm. to our kids to solve those issues and um, they can't do it on the backs of our kids. Now, with regards to the seven out of eight that are still in the district schools, I personally, in my region, I was holding the districts accountable and I would be there right in their face telling, you know, let's come up with a resolution. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I was told that I was coming on too hard and I needed to step off of them a little bit. Well, I'll tell you what's, I'll tell you what's not going to solve this. Socialism is not going to solve Right. <laughs> what, what, why, Ray, Why? Just why? I'm just saying. <laughs> Look, don't they fit, it feel different when you hosting, don't it, Chris? It's annoying <laughs> right. when you hosting, right? I mean, just, just, when you trying to bat why? a thousand, yeah. <laughs> and you just throw a ball like out into the other field. I understand, Chris. I feel your pain. <laughs> but now, see, the problem is y'all are educators. I'm a parent, so I'm like, boy, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? There's oh, something wrong gosh. with this dude. Anyways, you're right, though. Socialism doesn't solve anything. So you're right. I just want to be real. Socialism will, won't solve anything unless you want your country to blow up and go to hell and have no toilet paper or sugar or salt. Yeah, you. So we just <laughs> took aspirins. a left. We just took a left turn. So, yep. so <laughs> this is true. So to bring it's us true. back, bring us back, right? Like again. So this is for the folks that are NAACP members, but may not know all this stuff, or you just trust your NAACP because you know you want to trust your people, right? So, like I said on this podcast before, there's a difference between education and schooling. All right, education is the actual knowledge of like yourself and being able to communicate that to other people and like learning things, right? Schooling is 
is the apparatus in which you get that education. And now the NAACP is not protecting education for black kids in this instance. What they are protecting is a mode of schooling that actually has ties and financial ties and union ties and all this stuff, right? And what is happening is folks like Christina Laster, who's one person, right? The same way some of these, only a few of our kids actually go to charter schools, but they're interrupting the apparatus of schooling and they're hurting the pockets. But what we need folks to really understand is, and if you listen to this and you don't, and because you are an education civilian, this money does not belong to school districts. It does not belong to public districts, all right? That's right, that's right. ADA funds belong to children and their families. That is why when a child decides to go to a different type of school, there are dollars that follow that child. So when you hear people in the NAACP, just like the union say, these charter schools are stealing money, what they're basically saying is that your kids and your families are stealing money that was supposed to be earmarked for a district and people have interrupted that. In search for what? Mm -hmm. Education. So if you have a problem with that, then you have a bigger problem. And the last thing that we'll say about choice, choice just means, like Christina said earlier, we don't really care what the hell you choose. We just saying that it's messed up in a lot of places. And you get to look at all these schools and you get to make a decision and you might choose a district school, you might not. But that's your prerogative. And what we're saying is that we trust you enough to let you make that choice and we should be supporting you in whatever choice you make. And that's for the folks that are not into the education world the way we are. So final thoughts and Charles is not getting final thoughts on the show because he just talked for 20 minutes. So Chris, final thoughts. <laughs> uh, first of all, Christina, thank you for being brave. You're like you, you like the black uh, Aaron Brockovich of education in California right now. Cause, cause this is like one of those things where you find out something and no one believes you for a long period of time. You got to actually do the grassroots legwork to get parents involved, get other people involved and whatnot. It's a shame that you have to fight a historically black uh, um, organization to focus on black children, especially right. in a state like California where it's so bad. But if there's anything we can do to be helpful, if there's anything that we can do in the future, you know, moving on, don't hesitate to reach out because we are here for you. And, uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Charles is right there in Oakland. He might end up somewhere else at some point, but for the time being, he's not in, Anywhere else, he's there. So, um, so let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do to put some focus on black that. children. So, I appreciate that. And you know, really, uh, California cannot consider itself progressive when we still have a whole race of people that are being systemically oppressed. Mm. Reef, final yeah. thoughts. I, I, I just, uh, you know, want to second that. You know, Christina, thank you for advocating for black children. Thank you for having an agenda, a black agenda, uh, an agenda for the safety of, of black children, their uh, intellectual capacity. We appreciate that. Um, okay. The NAACP, obviously that is not a priority. And when we think about this bloodstained banner that represents the, the demand for education that black folks have always had, uh, we see that they are not, they're trampling on the banner, if anything, they're certainly not carrying it. Um, I, I agree with, uh, you know, I think Cole said that, you know, whoever said this, this idea about, you know, an additional um, organization or movement. So I applaud you for looking at, at ways to, to do that. But when we look at the history of the NAACP, you know, I think 60, 60 something folks founded the NAACP. Only seven were black. And, you know, we know several of them, right? Like, you know, W.B. Du Bois and Ida. Who Fuels, left? Who left? Right. Oh, yep. left. <laughs> Mary, Mary Church Terrell, right? Like these are, these are people who started only seven out of the 60 were black. And, and, um, and when you think about it, right before the NAACP, we had the Niagara, what was it, the Niagara movement when they met yep. up in Canada, right? And they were looked at as a more radical tradition for black folks. So we, we need something more radical to make sure that we are fighting on behalf of black children. And anybody who writes moratoriums about anything, about the small percentage of, of kids that attend these schools and would not put their children in neighborhood schools, you already, you can't trust them. Anybody right. who says one thing but would never put their children, grandchildren, or anybody else in their family into these neighborhood schools, you can't trust them for anything that they say um, counter for other families who are trying to uh, find some kind of way to uh, improve the lot of their, their children. Charles, final thoughts. Who, who did you say? Charles, final thoughts. Make up your mind. I thought you said... Uh, 
Miss <laughs> Laster, thank you so, so much for being on with us. And we really do want you to start up your own podcast and we'll help you. Um, I, because we sure. think we think that your voice has to really be out there. And if you can actually start bringing in like these parents like that's talking the same way you are, because folks need to hear them. Um, we can't yeah. have folks that's not from our community silencing them and, and putting their kids in harm's way. So thank you very much. Miss Laster, final mm-hmm. thoughts. You know, I just want to say that um, the best way that we could continue to pursue this is by not backing down off of what's true, off of what's in our face. And, you know, everybody needs to be equipped uh, with the information and the data. Uh, You cannot just think that you can trust in other people uh, and their opinions or what they're going to say, or even if it's an organization, I think that people really need to start looking at what is really happening and doing the research and being informed and being aware of what is going on with their children and whatever the parent wants to do with their child, whether it's public school district, whether it's a public charter school, whether it's a private school, what whatever it is, if that's what they can afford or homeschool even, you you know, I, I support that because that's their child and they only get one chance at this educational opportunity. And this is about access and opportunity. So I support the parents' rights to choose the best quality public education for their child. You have been listening to another episode of the Eight Black Hands podcast. Thank you. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.